Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your afternoon. We're hanging out live here at Marley's Gourmet Sliders. We're out at the district uh, off 114 South. Come on out and join us. Uh, Gordon, should we talk a little college football? Let's do it. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. I uh, want to remind you, if you can lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine, visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, he does sidelines for the Oregon State Beaver broadcast. He is Ron Callen with us on the big show. Hi, Ron. How are you today? Hey, great to be on your show, guys. Thanks for having me there in beautiful Salt Lake City. Love coming to the Rice-Eccles Stadium, but, hey, we get you guys here this time. Well, Ron, talk about this uh, this version of the Beavers watching uh, from afar. It seems like, you know, yes, defensively they, they've had some struggles, but offensively they've got a couple of, of real dudes that have kind of come alive a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the bottom line about this version of the Beavers, Jonathan Smith, year two. Of course, he's a Beaver alum. He gets Corvallis. He's a great offensive mind. And in this second year, they are better. Last year... It was tough. I mean, the cupboard was bare. Gary Anderson took off halfway through the season before, and it was a rough start. But uh, they are much better. They had a legitimate FBS uh, Pac-12 win last Saturday night at the Rose Bowl. And you brought up a couple of guys. How about Jake Luton, their quarterback, National Player of the Week, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week, 14 touchdown passes, no interceptions the first five games, which – you got to be impressed with. And then the guy he's throwing the ball to, Isaiah Hodgins, he's a junior. We want him to stay another year, but he's get, turning so many NFL scouts' heads. I don't know. He, he, he is a total difference maker on the F and offense for the Beavers. So, you know, I think Kyle Whittingham, uh, he talked about it. He, he gets it that they're better. And I think the big story of this game is going to come down to that Utah run defense because I have been brought up Artavis Pierce. Jamar Jefferson, the one-two punch, a running back, and, and a much improved offensive line. So uh, that's going to be the fascinating dynamic on Saturday afternoon at Research Stadium, guys. How is this uh, tide being turned there? What, what's happening within the program to make it better? Well, I mean, for the first time, Jake Luton has the same head coach two years in a row. I mean, it's been such a, a you know a musical chairs at the head coaching spot. Mike Riley leaves. Gary Anderson comes in. He leaves after two and a half. Corey Hall takes over for the last half of that season. And now Jonathan Smith and his coaching staff are trying to create what really what Kyle Whittingham has. Here he is in his 15th year in, in, at the University of Utah. I mean, that breeds success. Having continuity, having guys who are great recruiters, and uh, I think the, the Beavers, although they're, what, 95th in the FBS 130 poll right now, I mean, they've moved up a lot. I mean, that still sounds awful, right? But uh, uh, this is the start, I think, of something good for Oregon State because, remember, Mike Riley was there a long time. He had that continuity. He went to a bowl game every year. And when he left, uh, boy, I just dropped off the table. 
Ron, tell us, uh, you mentioned Isaiah Hodgins, uh, obviously. Tell us a little bit about his background, where he came from, what he's all about, because he's an absolute monster with already 43 receptions and nine touchdowns on the season. Yeah, and he's had two double-digit 10-reception uh, games against Stanford and UCLA the last two weeks. Now, he grew up in uh, California, Southern California, and he's just a big kid. He's a big, strong kid. He's got good speed. I wouldn't say he's a speed burner, but he, he, he is a disciplined wide receiver who runs great routes, and he and Jake Luton have just great chemistry. And if you watch the highlights from the UCLA game, Look how accurate those two are, not only in the, in the routes that uh, uh, Isaiah Hodgins runs, but the passes that Jake Luton throws to him are just on the money. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to see us uh, have a quarterback who is so consistent. He kind of reminds me of a quarterback that the Beavs had who's now playing for the Minnesota Vikings, and that's Sean Mannion. Uh, I think he's actually got better speed as a runner than Sean Mannion. And uh, let's see how it all shakes out the rest of the season because, let's face it, this is the toughest game they'll have so far this year. Yeah, they played Oklahoma State, put 36 points up on them. But uh, Mike Gundy has, you know, his team played a great game in the season opener. And then, you know, the Beavers could very easily, guys, be 4-1. and one. I mean, the Hawaii loss, the last second loss, 31-28. The Stanford loss, the last second loss, 31-28. So, I mean, they're, they're on the right path. You know, Kyle Whittingham has talked about how the toughest offenses to stop are these balanced attacks that can do either one. You mentioned the running game. What makes that thing go? Because aren't, uh, aren't the Beavers averaging like 200 yards a game on the ground? Yeah, and Artavis Pierce, uh, you know, he and Jamar Jefferson share the starting duties. Jamar who was the Pac-12 freshman of the year last year, kind of got dinged up, and so he's not 100%. He's going to be close on Saturday, but Artavis is averaging 7.7 yards per carry, uh, Jamar 5.3, and uh, I've got to give credit not only to these two talented running backs, but the offensive line under uh, offensive line coach Jim Mahalchik, so much better, and they've got a lot of experience, guys. They've got a senior at left tackle, a senior at left guard, and keep your eye on number 68, the right tackle, Brandon Kipper. He is the, he is the real deal. I mean, he's 6'8", 305, strong. He's quick for a lineman. And uh, I, I like the offensive line, but everybody knows here comes Utah. What, 53.8 yards a run per game? I mean, that's the ultimate challenge when you've got probably the best run defense maybe in America coming to your stadium. So I'm going to be fascinated to see what the offensive coordinator for the Beavs, Brian Lindgren, draws up to try to move that football on Saturday against the tremendous Utah defense. Ron Callen with us, uh, sideline reporter for the uh, Oregon State Beavers. And uh, going off the field for a sec, Ron, and this is probably uh, a question that's impossible to answer in, in just a couple of minutes, but I uh, we're familiar with Scott Barnes down here. Obviously, he was uh, used to be the athletic director at, at Utah State, and I saw some comments, comments from him the other day about uh, running a, a deficit in the athletic program and, and hoping to have that turned around by 2020 and a, a 40 Forty million dollars, I think I read. Uh, uh, deficit financially. What uh, what has been the issue at Oregon State that that Barnes is trying to clean up? Well, I think that's one reason why Scott Barnes was hired uh, a few years ago to come in and turn not only the finances around, but 
continue to improve on the donations by Beaver Nation and the, the deep pockets that people, you know, they, they want to have people contribute to their school if they're alums. And uh, uh, that slid off a little bit, but I think it's on the comeback trail now. If you're familiar with Corvallis, you know that they built basically half a new stadium in 2002. And the other half of the stadium has not been built yet. That's probably the number one primary goal uh when it comes to fundraising, is to get the, the new side of the, the stadium uh, finished. They're going to turn it into not only a football stadium, but a multi-use stadium for the entire campus. But, uh, you know, a small market. Carvallis is a small market. And uh, there's, a, there's a school 47 miles to the south that has a big donor in Nike. I mean, the Beavers get money from Nike, too, but not to the same extent as the University of Oregon. So it's interesting having your rival just 47 miles away. And, uh, you know, you, hey, well, Oregon State women's basketball was awesome. Oregon State baseball wins the College World Series. I mean, we've got programs that are so successful. But, of course, the benchmark for any athletic program is football. And I, I think Scott Barnes is, is doing a good job in getting this turned around, getting it going on the right track. Ron, what's going on on the defensive side of the ball? What needs correcting there? You know, I think uh, the, the run defense is better. If you look at Hamaka Rashid Jr., who wears number nine, watch him on Saturday. He has uh, been in the backfield uh, with sacks. I mean, last year, I think the Beavers had – entire season, 24 tackles for loss. They've got 31 already this year. They're much more active. They're bigger. They're stronger. They've had a couple of transfers. Avery Roberts sat out last year. He, he transferred to Nebraska. He's been one of the difference makers on defense. I think the, the weakest link for the Beavs, if you want to call it weak, is the defensive backfield. A lot of true freshmen and young players who are playing in, in, in the defensive backfield, and they're getting better every week. But uh, that, you know, hey, Utah's got a talented offense. It's going to be tough to see if the Beavers can slow them down. You mentioned that Jonathan Smith uh, went to school there and, and played there and knows how to win there. And, you know, you look at the history of, of Beaver football and a couple of coaches, Mike Riley won a lot of games there. Going back to Dennis Erickson won a lot of games there. Has there been kind of a common thread? What is that way uh, for the, the, to coach the Beavers to win? You know, uh, when Jonathan Smith was the quarterback, uh, Dennis Erickson was his coach, and he learned a lot from Dennis. When he first uh, uh, was hired, he brought in Dennis Erickson and Mike Riley. In fact, Mike Riley was a tight ends coach on the, uh, year one, but then he got a job as a head coach on the uh, ill-fated league. That so He was the head coach at San Antonio, and now Mike Riley is the offensive coordinator for the Seattle XFL team which will begin in February. But uh, both of those guys, I think, brought a sense of, hey, don't panic. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a process to get things going in the right direction. And that's exactly what happened. If you remember the 2000 uh, Fiesta Bowl, Dennis Erickson was the coach. Jonathan Smith was the quarterback, and the Beavs trounced Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, like 41-9. to nine. So he, he's, he's seen success last weekend. It was fun for Jonathan. He grew up around Pasadena, and he had a chance to coach that big win over UCLA. Yeah, granted, uh, uh, Chip Kelly's been scuffling down in Southern California, but Beaver Nation loved the fact for the first time they beat Chip Kelly. They never did when he was coaching Oregon. So that was a feather in their cap. And the other thing to keep an eye on is the special teams coach 
for the Beavers is Jay Cookus. He, you never know he's going to come up with something special. I don't know if you watched the highlights, but there was an important play in the game when the Beavers were up 14 to nothing. A drop kick, pooch kick on the kickoff. The Beavers recovered it, and they got up 21 nothing. And uh, the game wasn't over, but they certainly got up to a great start. And uh, then, you know, not, not, didn't really hold off UCLA. I mean, they beat them by 17, 48, 31. Two questions, really. For our listeners who have never been to Corvallis, what's it like? And what's the, if you were put in charge of recruiting, what would your recruiting pitch be for the Beavers? Well, the thing about Corvallis, I mean, the state of Oregon, of course, it's gorgeous, right? I mean, you've got the beaches, about a 65-minute drive from the campus. You can go up into the mountains and go to the Sisters Mountains or Mount Washington in about an hour and a half. So I would throw that at them. But I would also throw, and I think this is what the coaches do uh, for families, this is a family atmosphere. It's the number one college town of the Pac-12, according to a couple of websites. It is a city of 60,000 people, easy to get around in. And on campus, it is a family atmosphere. And I think that is one of the pluses. Uh, why it, it's, you know, in the old days, oh, you can never, uh, you know, uh, recruit to a place like Corvallis or Pullman. It's just the end of the world, but no longer. In fact, you can fly, get a charter and fly the team right back to the Corvallis airport now. So that's not uh, an impetus to keep them away. Uh, you know, I think it's a lifestyle thing, too. Do you want to live in the small town or the big city? And uh, a, lot of, a lot of families think it might be a better situation for their young man or woman uh, depending on what sport they're playing, to, to come to a place like Corvallis. It's worked for women's basketball at Oregon State. They've made the Sweet 16 the last uh, four years, and they went to the Final Four in 2016. And it's, they, they just spout about you know, how great the family atmosphere is in the Willamette Valley and in Corvallis. And you know what, guys? There are a lot of great breweries in Corvallis as well. You know, it, it's, it's, of course, Oregon and Portland, there's Beervana here, you know, when it comes to craft beer, so... Uh, that is something that uh, I, I, that would be my pitch. Well, I think uh, you nailed it with me with breweries, uh, Ron. I think you got <laughs> Jake, me. Jake's on his way up there right now. <laughs> I, uh, we'll uh-huh. see you. Hey, when when can I enroll? Uh, <laughs> hey, Ron, hey, thank you. A, you. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on your show. Wow. Oh, so, thank you, Ron. Thank you very much. So you I, had to I throw that mean, in there. I didn't mean you? to step on in there at the end. That was uh, good stuff right there from Ron. Thank you very much. Well, I, well, I was, you know, making of the jokes. Oh. Uh, I, there thought, are, no, I think you meant it. There are a lot of good breweries in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest. That is that is something that uh, I have experienced. All right. want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air. They're looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Super Hero team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Super Hero team, 801-833-3333. Uh, all right, Gordon. I, I think the Beavers are better. And I think I think Ron did a good job of uh, of explaining why. But this game comes back to me that I think Utah's defense, at very least, can slow down Oregon State, keep them in the in the twenties. Even if well, Oregon if they State do, has the Utes a, are going to win. And that's what this game just gets back to to me. I don't I don't see Oregon State putting up enough resistance mm-hmm. to hold the Utes in the twenties. Right. They should be in the thirties at least in this game. And so even if it's close, I think you're looking at a you know. 35 27 kind of game you know what i mean but yeah. and, and i don't 
I, I see them moving the ball against Utah, especially with that big receiver, but I, I don't see them dominating Utah offensively, not like what USC maybe did. Yeah, Ron was, uh, was pretty honest about that, I thought, that Oregon State's defense is going to struggle against Andy Ludwig's offense. And <laughs> going the other way, we'll see, because that quarterback's pretty darn good, and that receiver, and they, they do have a, a couple of running backs, but... Against Utah's defense, I would be surprised if uh, those guys get pushed around. I would, too. And not to say I think they're, they're going to be perfect, and, and I don't think they need to be. But I don't see, and this is kind of feels weird talking about this kind of game about the Utes from the other perspective, right? Okay. I, don't see, I don't see the Beavers scoring enough to keep up with Utah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Completely, although they do have some capacity to do to do some damage well that isaiah hodgins is he's the real deal Uh i mean i would i would guess that jalen johnson spends most of the day uh over with him probably bracket with the safety a little bit i would guess just because the 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 statistics have been so one-sided he has um uh gordon he has 43 catches as i mentioned nine touchdowns the next uh the next highest receiver guess how many catches they have how many 13. Yeah, I'd say that's so, uh, out of balance. So you know where he's going. Yeah, except the Utes knew a little something about Michael Pittman, too, didn't they? Yeah, but they had two other studs that you had to pay attention to. Well, uh, Oregon State has some running backs that will need to be attended to as well. I think that plays right into Utah's hands, though. I mean, I'm, that's, look, that's what they're built to I'm stop the run. I'm not suggesting that the Beavers going to win this game. Uh, but I am suggesting that the Utes have to take it seriously. They have to go up there, do their business, get it done the way they're capable of doing. But if they start, if something weird happens, and you know, Kyle always talks about turnovers, if the Utes get sloppy with the ball on offense, then, then they could get hurt. Uh, point is, they got to focus, got to dial in, and then they'll get the W. I do know that Utah's defense is a lot better than UCLA's defense, so because they yes, they put up points on the Bruins, but they're not gonna uh, yeah. they're not gonna do that to Utah. I, I certainly wouldn't think so. Although there is a slight advantage playing at home, but I mean Utah's run game is good enough with or without Zach Moss that they're gonna run all over this team. And and Tyler Huntley, if he continues to to be accurate and make the correct reads. I don't see any reason why Utah doesn't move the, the ball up and down the field all night long. Everything that we said about the balance in Oregon State's offense is true of Utah's offense as well. They can hurt you either way. And a big, big part of that is the fact that Tyler Huntley's playing the best football probably he's ever played. And the receivers, and I've been hard on the receivers, you know, Gordon, against Washington State, the receivers made yeah. plays for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not just yards after catch, but making some nice catches and adjusting the balls and, and did a really great job for him. So, yeah, without Britton Covey because he's redshirted. So, yeah. Well, they've got, you know, we're seeing some of those guys we've heard so much about for a couple of years now, you know, step up and make it happen. Solomon Enos, I think, has the potential to be really good. He's just a sophomore. He went out there and made some plays. Brian Thompson, we've been hearing so yeah. much about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samson Nakua did yes, a good job stepping did. up. So, he had like five catches in that game, six, something like that. I think like it was that. five mm-hmm. and had the touchdown. So, you know, if his receivers continue to do him favors. You know, heard hands breaking it down today. Oregon State has a couple of pretty good linebackers, but that's about it on that defense. So that's not enough. Well, you certainly would expect Andy Ludwig to be able to scheme those linebackers mm-hmm. from doing too much damage. 
But they do get a lot of tackles for loss. They do get into the opponent's backfield. Utah's offensive line is going to have to perform. I'm with you. This is not one of those layup games per se. You could be Utah could lose to Oregon yes. State. That is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas not maybe, likely. Maybe a couple of years ago, I I wouldn't have said that was a possibility. I do think this program is in a little bit better shape than it was two years ago. See, I think programs that are on the move like that, I think it's a fascinating study, don't you? I mean, how how does a coach go in there and do that? Ron said that. Uh, Smith knows uh, knows the town, knows the school, knows uh, the ins and the outs, the nuances. But I, I still find it just intriguing how a guy can go in and make a difference. Well, he found it, it's going to take some more time before they're really competitive in the conference. But well, if you've if you've got a couple of players to build around, that really helps. And it looks like this uh, Jacob Luton mm-hmm. is is pretty darn good. We mentioned the receiver, and uh, you talked about the two running backs uh, that are that are pretty good. And that's a that's a start. That's something you can build around. And since he's an offensive guy, not a surprise that that would come before the defense. But if they if they truly are going to turn the corner, they're probably going to have to find a little bit more bite on defense at some point. Did I hear Ron suggest, or at least hint, that this quarterback could be better than Sean Mannion? Well, he said he's a little more mobile than Sean Mannion. Did <laughs> okay. he? Did he hint that he could be better than Sean Mannion? Because that that that's a pretty steep yes. standard. Yeah. yeah, he was good, Sean he Mannion. He beat the Utes that one year, didn't he? Well, I think he beat the Cougars the same year. Huh. Maybe it was different years, but Mannion had one good. down in Provo where he yeah. was really good too. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we want to remind you about our friends at Ken Garf uh, West Valley Ram. The savings are on. Stop by their dealership during Ram Power Days and take advantage of special offers on select new models. Whatever you're looking for, they have it at West Valley Ram. We are live today, Gordon. One of our absolute favorite places to go, Marley's Gourmet Sliders. We're at their new location in the district, 114 South, 3561 West. Now, you've got to try these sliders. They have a ton of different ones to try, Gordo. So there's something down here that's going to suit your taste buds. And one of the great parts, we talked about this uh, uh, in the, a couple of segments ago, the mixing and matching capability, is that's pretty key. You, you put it well. You're not married to a, you know, two-pound burger you know what i mean it's <laughs> that's that's just that's one flavor of halfway you. through it yeah right you, you can, can mix it up it's like the triple option you know plus three doesn't that feel like almost the the perfect amount of slider i feel you know you could probably get loose and go five or six but i think three is plenty then it leaves room for the shoestring fries which are free if you mention the zone they are and then if you go with the shake then uh, prepare to pat your belly. The Nutella shake is kind of what they're famous about. Well, or famous all of them for. are good. All the ones that I've ever tried. You need to try it. We're here at the district, 114 South, 3561 West. Of course, they have their original location out there in Linden in the Timpanogos Harley-Davidson building. We've been out to that location as well, Gordo. They're both excellent, and the food can't be beat. Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Uh We'll have more coming up next. There is an update on the NBA China situation that I feel is very relevant to jazz fans, so we should get to that. (laughs) Stay tuned. It is the big show. Hey, look at this, Gordo, a Washington State uh, Cougar fan in the house. How about that, visiting us out here at Gourmet Sliders? That didn't go so well the other day, did it? Uh, The red Cougars, not the blue ones. I got it. (laughs) All right, more straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. (laughs) 
This is DJ and PK. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst. How big is confidence early for Hall? I don't think it's as important for him to make some big plays earlier, but I think it's better for the offense as a unit because while he's got the offensive support, and if there's always still that two, three, five percent of the subconscious mind that the rest of the offense is worrying, can this guy really do it for us? So if the offense as a unit can come out and make some plays early, then that'll work really well towards the momentum and psyche of it. I don't so much worry about Jaron getting off to a fast start because I know he's a fighter and he's going to play all 60 minutes, but for the psychology of the offense overall, I think it's pretty vital. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Live today from Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Come get some sliders, man. Tell them you heard it on The Zone. They're hooking you up with free fries. We're out here at the district. want to remind you to join Hanson Scotty uh, coming up October 15th from noon to 3 at 185 West 12th Street, Suite C in Ogden. Hanging out at the Sprint Store, customers uh, that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple device while supplies last. Gordon, um, what's the latest out of the bull shop in China? So we don't need to, to dwell on this too much. We talked about it a lot over the past couple of days. But there, there are these new little updates from day to day, which uh, I think are worth mentioning because this story has had a tr- already had a tremendous amount of impact. And uh, this, I think the latest kind of just shows you how. But this story is all over news news, Gordon. I don't know how much news news you've paid attention to the last couple of days. But, I mean, all the pundits out there are are weighing in. Well, it's going to end up potentially costing the NBA a considerable amount of money. When it starts affecting salary cap structure, you know you've got an issue on your hand. So, according to a Yahoo Sports report, Gordon, at least five NBA teams are having their salary cap personnel plan for a scenario in which the cap for 2020-2021 could drop between 10 and 15% because of all this that's going on over there in China. And that is significant. Well, how how is that? I, I get it. It's not a matter of fairness. But a team is planning a certain way, and they sign guys to certain contracts, and now the thing backs up totally unexpectedly. They weren't. Nobody saw this coming. How could they? What, that, that Daryl Morey, of all people, <laughs> would send out a rogue tweet that sends a geopolitical ripple that costs billions of dollars? And cost, you didn't see that coming? No, not at all. Not at all. But what are they going to – if that – I, I think the NBA needs to stand up for what's right. It can't be cowering in this thing. But but how are you going to handle that? What if the players do not cooperate? A players association. Don't cooperate with what? With a lowered salary cap. And then all of this complaining happens. And, and I, I just don't know where that's going to go. I don't think they have a choice in the matter. Well, I mean, eventually they will. What, when they renegotiate the CBA? 
Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, remember when the TV money hit and they had a 10% spike one year? No, a 15% spike the first year and a 10% spike yeah. the next year? Yeah. So this is going to be a 15% spike in the other direction. But why, why that's relevant is because the players, remember, refused to have have that ease into the salary cap. Mm-hmm. They said they wanted it all in those those two years in those chunks. Right. So now would the owners say, well, we're going to do you a solid this and is- we're going <laughs> to we're going to ease you into it? I mean, cuz this this affects how much you're able to pay max players. Right. So it affects team building. Well, it certainly in a affects major way. Rudy and Donovan, who this is right in the window That's right, of of when Donovan would be signing his extension. And Rudy would be eligible for the Supermax. And that has that has a direct impact on those guys. So do you see the the salary cap as kind of people who invest in the stock market, that there's going to be good years and there's going to be bad years? And the players have to plan on that? And the teams have to plan on that as well? Well, this is the problem. Because, no, because you should be able, you're the NBA, you should be able to count on steady growth. I mean, they've had steady growth in the NBA going back to when, it merged with the ABA. I mean, it's been a steady growth since then. Look at the values of franchises and basketball-related income, TV contracts. I mean, it, this is an industry you should be able to count on steady growth. Even well, even during economic downcur- downturns, it's steadily grown. Well, this is a steep one. But this is, this is an outlier mm-hmm. that, uh, well, I would guess that nobody prepared for, but maybe they should have. I mean, if you, if you go into that business... You know, in doing business in that part of the world, maybe it was something that they should embrace themselves for because it's a it's a kind of a powder keg situation if you think about it. Obviously, well, but the NBA has been swimming in money, and so you're right. It's a lesson for everybody to not to spin to the max because you never know what might happen. On the other hand, these teams are trying to how. It's punitive for teams that are trying to really make a difference and build something special, you know. And then all of a sudden you have this happen, and you're going, "Wait a minute! If I want to keep player X, or I had my eye on player, you know, uh, Z, now suddenly I can't get him because I can't fit it in the salary cap." Oh yeah, that's kind of how it works. It, it, it that could really get complicated for various aggressive uh, personnel people who are really trying to do something and compete and not stay with the status quo. Or how about teams like the the Rockets that are so far over the luxury tax right now? You're kind of counting on some of that relief for the, the, the cap to go up. I mean, if it drops, I mean, let me let me bring up this, uh, this estimate. Uh, it could, uh, let's see, it could drop up to... Between eleven point six million and seventeen point four million dollars off the current projections. Wow! Yeah, that's that'll make a difference. That's a whole really good player right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, or several players to fill out your roster like that. I mean, that is an impactful figure. Every gen- general manager uh, in the league is looking at Daryl Morey right now, going, "Thanks, <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> Thanks for speaking up for democracy." In all honesty, people are probably pretty bent out of shape. That's franchise altering right there. Maybe a democracy brings with it a free market system that uh, can be volatile at times. Wait a minute. Say that again. 
maybe democracy within the framework of democracy. Uh-huh. You have a free market system that can be volatile at times. It can, but this one really shouldn't. Well, but they got they got into a politically volatile area of the world, and it's now biting them, and quite unintentionally biting them. Billions of dollars. Uh, and then did you did you see the reporter that asked James Harden and Russell Westbrook if they'd be hesitant about speaking out on other political issues because of what's happened with this situation? And then the team official. Uh, the Rockets PR shut it down and said basketball-related questions only. Is that the way it's going to be from here on? I don't know, but ironically enough, that's a very that's a that's definitely a move the Chinese government would pull. <laughs> so, just a quick update: wow. the NBA this There's afternoon apologized for that uh, for that moment and that they shut the question down. They wished they had let it go. Oh, well, that's good news. That is good news. Well, I think it's good news. And, it's and, good news for those of us who want to know what these guys really think. I mean, if James Harden and Russell Westbrook gave it a no comment, I'd have no problem with that either. Because those guys are, are right in the middle of it, especially big-name shoe guys like those guys, like those two. Well, James has already spoken out on it. Yeah, I apologized. Mm-hmm. So this is a delicate situation. It is. And it's one that's already cost him a significant but amount of money. But I think you brought up a great point the other day, Jake, when you said that once, you, once you're sticking your toe in the waters of that, then, uh, you know, I mean, you're... You've set a precedent, so it's hard to suddenly tell everyone to be quiet. Yep. You've already let the cat out of the bag. I guess you did more than stick your toe in it. You, you jumped right in. They embraced it. Yeah. They got a lot of positive press for it. and now Sticking up for good causes, and I guess you could consider democracy to be one of those good I causes? I would think so. Yeah. Human rights, that sort of thing. <laughs> really good causes, but... I thought you put it well in your uh, in your column yesterday. It's coming at a really significant cost. Yeah, a freedom made free. No, it is not. All right, come see us. We're at Marley's Gourmet Sliders. We're here at the district. Very easy to get to. 3561 West, 114 South. Come by, grab a slider. Said you heard it on the zone. They're going to hook you up with some free fries. Not Sports Report is coming up next. Woo-hoo. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Successful or failure in the preseason, the 34-point loss, 80-point win. The bottom line is there's so many variables about a preseason game that just make it to where you can barely ever measure anything from it. Anything. I don't care if they missed all their shots. There are guys on the floor that are not going to be wearing the jersey. What you need to look at is the reality of that moment. Preseason is you experiment, and sometimes you come out with an eight rookies played against the Milwaukee Bucks Mm -hmm. with the reigning MVP by 34 in preseason, mm-hmm. it's not about the win and loss. I know I wouldn't even be too concerned about how the team played because eight rookies played, and I don't think you'll ever see that again the rest of this season. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now you're not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, live from Marley's Gourmet Sliders out here at the district. Come on by and see us. Buy a slider and get hooked up with some free fries. Uh, it's time for the Not Sports Board, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today, sir? Well, a couple different places. The first place is Sandy, Utah. Apparently, Jake, a semi loaded up with cases of beer uh, was run into by, a, uh, I think it was a pickup that uh, ran a stop light or something. No, that's not good. And plowed into the truck, and the truck spilled its beer into the parking lot of an LDS church. That's an interesting place for that to happen. Of all places. Of all places. Interesting there for that to happen. Did Now, my question is, Did was there a man, mad scramble? Because you showed me the picture. <laughs> I did. And there, there's beer spilled out across the parking lot. Was there a mad scramble by witnesses to, you know, uh, help clean by, up? By parishioners? So to speak. <laughs> and what's the deal on that? Is that is that stealing still? <laughs> If it's, if, it's, out of, if it's on the ground, leaking out of the can? Well, no, you leave those behind. You go only the, intact, the, the, the intact cans. I, I mean, don't know. I would imagine that it would still be private property. Okay, so let me set up a scenario for you. Okay, mm-hmm. you're in Sandy. You're on. Uh, you're, you're sitting there in, in your truck on the corner of a, of a road, and you see an accident happen, and the, the semi spills its load all over a parking lot, and it's... Your very favorite uh, cheese and cheeses. <laughs> Do you scramble over to that uh, that parking lot to to get your fill? No. No. Not what's your very favorite? You were cheese? an Eagle Scout. You know that would be improper. What if it was uh, just a, some some the rarest of great cheese? Just, <laughs> Nothing but Gouda over there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. Okay. Speaking of food, get a load of this. Tell me what you, you think of this. A report. A vegan who was pranked by her friends after a drunken night out has reported them to the police. A 24-year-old woman says she was she has been vegan for 10 years and has not eaten meat since she found out where it came from when she was, quote, three or four years old. After going to a party where she admits she got wasted, she says her friends thought it would be funny to feed her chicken nuggets as a prank. <laughs> now <laughs> That is funny. Now, she says... That, uh, quote, I checked with them before chowing down. She said, are these vegan? To which my friends replied, yeah, they're sun fed, which I guess is a type of vegan chickenless chicken. Yeah, probably soy. Yeah. Uh, And uh, they tasted off to me, but I figured it was just because I was drunk. I was drunk. Wrong, she said. The following day, she received a message from her sister telling her to check her friend's Snapchat story. It showed the chicken nugget packaging and her friends then feeding them to her. And then she said, I took a screen recording of the video and took it to the police on the grounds of food tampering. And now three of my ex-friends are facing charges. What do you get for that? What the, what's, what, what do you get for for feeding a drunk friend 
who is vegan some chicken nuggets. I mean, we get that uh, 25 to life on that? I don't know. Food tampering sounds like a pretty decent law. But in, in this case, I think this gal needs to maybe make some better decisions, get some new friends. But do you need? Do you really need to get the law involved? Yeah, I, I, that sounds a bit extreme to me. But I'm not vegan. So I, you know, I suppose some of these people take these things very seriously. I once saw a friend of mine who is vegetarian uh, had been given a, 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 a woman that we both knew made him a special salad for dinner. Uh, that happened to have, I think, fish in it because she thought he would eat that. But he said he wouldn't, and he turned it down. And I, I don't know what the rules are, you know? I don't know what the rules are. But apparently this is a punishable offense by the law. That well, seems or strange to me. she thinks it is. You know, just let bygones be bygones and don't hang out with them anymore. Yeah, uh, although I guess you could take it in. I mean, what if you, uh, what if you had a certain kind of food that you didn't eat, or for some reason that was important to you, and someone tricked you into, into it, or uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a scenario where you would it would be so severe that you would report them to the law, and get them. You know, potentially in a court setting. Well, let me ask you this, Gordon. You, you, sir, are not a drinker, nor have you ever been. If I spiked your Diet Coke, would you think you'd uh, get the law involved the next day? Uh, wouldn't I be able to tell it was spiked? No, I would not. You'd probably be mad at me. I would uh, well, guess. Yeah, but I wouldn't, but I I wouldn't don't think call, call the, the police. Co- yeah, right. Bust this guy. Nor would I do that to you, of course. But I don't. you'd be mad at me. Because you'd have a headache and not be feeling so well. Well, my friends growing up, I was, I was kind of like the uh, designated driver. Yeah, so you I would, served my purpose. You but. would have been mad at me, but you wouldn't call the police. No. Right. Of course not. Now, Austin, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> First time Austin, ever buying it just to get Gordo. Would you, uh, would you uh, call in the police if, yeah. uh, if I... If I let, let's say I snuck in and... Uh, Put something in uh, in your box of donuts or something. Would you would you call the cops? Hello. Did we did we lose? Oh, Austin? you guys are there. I'm just you know just giving you the same respect I just got. So. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Coming up next, uh, <laughs> offensive line coach for BYU, Eric Mateos, uh, gave a really interesting quote to our very own Jay Catch about the offensive line. And we're going to get to that coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. Our friend Josh Parcell joins us at 530. Uh, Josh from uh, College Football Country Podcast. Uh, Give us a little national perspective on what's going on around college football. Sounds good to me. Stay tuned. We're live from Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Come see us. 114 South, 3561 West. Uh, The... The sliders are just amazing. You can mix and match. Uh, Go with a Handsome Rob or a Rickster. Go with a Pastrami Lex. Or you can go with all three and mention that you heard it on the zone and they're going to throw in a free order of fries. You heard me. Free fries just for listening to the zone and uh, coming in and grabbing a slider. Our boy uh, Bert Facer is uh, chowing down on a a shake over there. Well, after talking to his father, I feel like I kind of have to call him Bert now. Because he protested. 
He did. He, he Dirk uh, Dirk uh, brought up the nickname Bert, and and our boy Austin protested a little bit. So that just makes it cemented in even more. Are you going to punch him in the nose? Or you can't, Bert can't punch me. Come There's, on, I can't do anything about it now. I'm. It's. <laughs> it's it is what it is. It's there. It's there. <laughs> okay. Uh, the boy. shake is really good, though. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, very. See, there you go. He got it. He got himself a shake. He did. All right. Well, I'm more coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Cougar preview show. Will Snowden. We've seen over the years African-American influence on BYU's football team, but we have not seen the African-American influence at the quarterback position. Jaron Hall is the first African-American quarterback to play at BYU. This is a big deal. This is something that should be celebrated, and I get the feeling that people get uncomfortable about us celebrating that. It's like, oh, no, talk about that. It, it doesn't matter. We don't care. He's a football Yeah, we know we don't care. I think it shows where BYU really is. We are known for having great quarterbacks who put up great numbers, and I think this is huge for not only BYU, but the whole state of Utah, the church. It's awesome because now kids who are watching BYU will say, oh, wow, look at that Jaron Hall. <laughs> it's a different look than we've ever seen, so that's exciting. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.